We're back live with more Rami McLaugh on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Third and final hour with you on The Score. Rami McLaugh on a Wednesday night. I'll be back on Friday night in this very same time slot. Tyler Buterbaugh on the ones and twos, and he'll be with me also on Friday. Coming up a little later this hour, Tim Allen. Not not that Tim Allen. Different Tim Allen from 97.3 The the Game up in Milwaukee. He uh, he hosts their Brewers postgame show and a lot of their Brewers programming up there. Going to talk some baseball, some hot stove with him. I just wanted, Tim's an old friend of mine. I just wanted to rub it in that the Cubs got Craig Council. And they don't. So he'll join me at 840 and we'll do some of that. But I wanted to get back into some Bears talk here. And, man, I've I've worked in radio for a long time. 18 plus years I've been doing this gig. Minus the last six months when I've been unemployed. But 18 plus years I've been at this. About 10 of those as a host. Producer the rest of the time. and. I try, I try so hard not to put a lot of stock in in press conferences. Whether we're talking about a guy's demeanor or even the words that are coming out of their mouth. Like, most of the time, very little meaningful is happening at a press conference. It's all espionage. It's them trying to give you as little information as they possibly can while fulfilling their media duties and hopefully not pissing you off in the media and, and, and at least helping you do your job a little bit. But every once in a while, something happens in a press conference that just makes me blow my top, man. That just makes me go, how are you sitting there saying that? To me right now. And this happened a couple days ago with Matt Eberflus in talking about short yardage, third and fourth down short yardage situations. And some of the Bears' struggles with that. Here's the Bears head coach, Matt Eberflus, a couple days ago. We have to do a better job with short yardage. There's no question about that. And I think that we do a, uh, you know, you have to have a staple, something that you go to. You know, it's, you know, it's usually the, the the sneak or the wedge or the rugby, whatever you're calling that. You know, the Philadelphia play. Um, you know, so, and we've done that a couple of times. And uh, but we need to be more effective at that. You know, so uh, we're looking to be more of effective at that because you need something like that where you can always go to that. And then you need some stuff that that hits the perimeter. You know, um, you know, because teams will load up inside there. Um, on you, you know, pack everybody inside and leave themselves vulnerable on the outside. So I, I do think you need that. And uh, we certainly uh, have that in our arsenal too. But uh, again, it just comes down to execution. You know, it comes down to the guys, you know, executing that the, the push play um, better and also the perimeter plays better. Yeah, you, you need something like that, he says, about the, the tush push or whatever they're calling it. You need something. If you could only have something like that, if only there was a way that you could crack the code of how the Philadelphia Eagles are doing this, if only it were on film or maybe drawn up in a in a in a diagram or a a, a play, if you will, of how that's supposed. If only, if only. You had a big, physical, athletic quarterback 
who maybe was built for that. If only if he he talks and acts like like he has no control over the situation. Like they can't do it. Like they couldn't do it if they wanted to. And I know he's saying we need to execute it better. Man, do it. Do it. In third and fourth and one or shorter, just line up and do it. You can. You sitting there wishing, like, oh, man, yeah, we need something like that. How about that? How about that thing that they're doing? You do that when you need that yard or less. Because I can't tell you how many times this uh, this season, and I'm running out of time here. I don't know if I'm going to be able to. I'll be back Friday. I don't know if I'm going to have time to to give Luke Getze the treatment that his play calling deserves. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting there and on third and one or fourth and one, I just know the wrong play call is coming. I'm not, this is going to shock a lot of people out there. I'm not a football coach. We got plenty of football experts on the station. Dave Wanstead, Owen Kreutz, you know, you know the roster. I'm not a football coach, but here's what I do know. If you need one yard or less, the dumbest thing you can do, the worst thing you can do is move backwards before you try to move forwards. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen Luke Getze call a play out of a shotgun or it's a pitch straight back to a running back or you heard Matt Eberflus say there, you got you to gotta be able to get the edge too. Well, no, you don't. You need one yard, man, or less. Don't pitch the ball backwards and certainly don't do what we saw on Sunday, which was a wildcat. They did wildcat on third and one shotgun snap wildcat. What are we, what are you doing? Stop moving backwards to go forwards when all you need is a yard or less. And if you're Matt Eberflus, don't sit there and tell me that you need something like that. Do that. Do it. Like, it's not It's not that hard. And it is hard. There's a lot going on there. Blocking, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't even more time. They're wasting their time throwing the football backwards when they need a yard. Stop it. It's sad that they're so predictable too, because opposing teams have even came out and like they've said that like they knew exactly what play was coming, and they just keep running it over and over and over again. Yeah, and then if it's not that, it's the screen. It's always something dumb. It's always something stupid on third and one or fourth and one. And don't sit there on on that podium and tell me, yeah, we need. I wish we could do that, and we need something like that. When you can, you can. You you have you have the guy who's built for it in Justin Fields. Just stop putting yourself in a bad position, which they do time and time again. Let me uh, go out to the phones three one two six four four six seven six seven. If you want to get in on some Bears talk, I have Sean. He's in Maine. He wants to talk about Justin Fields. What's up, Sean? Hey, what's going on, right? You. Um. So, 
first of all, let me say it's really hard to be a Bears fan up here. These New England Patriots fans are something else. But at any I mean, rate. Um, they can't be that hard to deal uh, with right now. Are they still all puffy-chested with what's going on out there? Man, are you kidding me? They're entitled. <laughs> I, I don't want to use a bad word on your radio broadcast. But they're entitled asses. Uh, at any rate, um, I'm a football coach. Uh, we are a pretty successful football program here in Maine. It's a high school program. Here's Here's my view on all of this. My view is quite simply, and if you give me a minute, sorry about that, um, this. you got to throw out the first year of Justin Fields. They were tearing down the program. Admittedly, uh, they said that admittedly. So I, I don't think you have to throw out that record, I believe, that first-year record. Second year, he progressed pretty well, had some weapons, and this year, he looks, I mean, it's very rare that we find a quarterback who's the best athlete on any field he plays on. Would you not agree? Yes, I 100% agree. So um, my belief is, why not take Marvin Harrison at one? Uh, I, think we'll, I think we win the next two games. Uh, I think we then are picking at 10 to maybe 11. And then maybe take Brock Bowers if he's there. You know, I mean, who do you stop? You got DJ, you got Harrison, you got Clement, and then you got Brock Bowers. And I didn't even say Fields yet. Yeah, I like it. I I like where you're going with that. I appreciate the call. I I don't know that I'd necessarily take Marvin Harrison Jr. with with the number one pick, um, just because I believe in maximizing all your assets. And somebody will want that number one pick to take a quarterback, as long as you're not dropping down too far so far that you can't take Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good with getting more draft picks. Abs 100% okay with getting more draft picks. And on top of that, if you do what I and what the caller and what Chuck Swirsky said, which is to stick with Justin Fields, getting a few extra draft picks down the road as an insurance policy if Justin Fields turns out not to be the guy and I'm I'm wrong about him, which is entirely possible. I've been wrong once or twice. You can use one of those draft picks in the future on a quarterback in two or three years down the line if Justin Fields doesn't pan out. So I, I love Marvin Harrison Jr. And I love the idea of putting more around Justin Fields than just DJ Moore and Cole Komet. But I'm also I'm also a big advocate of maximizing the assets. And in this case, the asset being what looks like if the Houston Texans lose this weekend will be guaranteed to be the number one pick in the draft. Trade it if you're not trying to get a quarterback because somebody will give up a boatload. We saw that last year. Somebody will give up a boatload to move up and get that Caleb Williams or whoever that guy might be. Let me get in one more call before the break. Mike on the road. You're on 670 the score. What's up, Mike? Ronnie, how are you, my man? Doing well. <laughs> I'm literally on the road. Hey, first off, kudos on both interviews with Chuck and with Hub. I'm so glad to hear some sanity on the radio. <laughs> um, I'm I'm sorry, you know, like I, everybody's like shipping him off uh, Justin off in a, in a in a container, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, here's the other part, piece I really want to get to. Justin's had three OCs in the three years, and it's not a full three years, that he's been with the Bears. 
they have he has not had one offensive coordinator yet who has taught him how to properly develop how you know he's been taught how to what to learn how to learn and and those kind of intangibles that go into building what a franchise quarterback is so for my money you have to give Justin another chance. He's he's shown uh, the, uh, the 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 fundamental skills, and they do have to build around him. And I think, you know, like you said, you know, drop back a couple spots, get Marvin Harrison, and maybe like Hub said, maybe in the second pick, you know, you go get a you know like a Jaden Daniels and, and see what happens. And that's all I got. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Appreciate the call. Yeah, as far as the coaching goes, man. Luke Getze's job, in a nutshell, is to coach out the flaws during the week and then call a game that plays to his strengths, he being Justin Fields. That's his job. And I don't think he does a very good job at doing either of those two things. Because, and I'm not, I'm not saying Justin Fields is not without blame. Like you, your your improvement is 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 on you more than it is on anybody else. Your improvement and your development and getting better at the things that you're not very good at, that's on you as a football player, as a professional. But I as far as the coaching and coaching out those flaws from or improving at least in those areas, we haven't seen a whole lot of it. And when it comes to calling a a a game, a game plan that plays to his strengths, we see that for about 15 plays every week. Luke Getze's scripted plays are chef's kiss. Very good. And then once teams pick up on what he's doing or he has to go with the flow and the feel of the game, he's outmatched. Week in and week out, he's outmatched. Why do you think these teams can can make these comebacks and hang around in these games in the third and fourth quarter when the offense sputters. Because he's just outmatched once you get past the scripted plays to open the game. And then he just doesn't know how to play to Justin Fields' strengths consistently. Week in and week out, he is literally, according to analytics, and I, I don't know, what stats they look at, but the eye test and what I see every week and how I feel watching a Bears game and watching Luke Getty's game plans every week, along with this graph that I'm looking at that ranks offensive play callers based on their overall score and what they're working with. It says personnel and market efficiency with team constraints. I'm a dummy, but I think that means what they get out of what they have to make it real simple for the rest of you dummies out there. Personnel and market efficiency with team constraints. They jive, man. They jive. What I'm seeing and what I'm feeling, they jive with what this says. That Luke Getze is the third worst play caller in the entire NFL. And two of the guys that were ahead of him, they no longer have their jobs. Excuse me, he was the fourth worst play caller in the NFL, and two of the guys ahead of him no longer have their jobs as offensive coordinator. It's giving me too much of naggy flashbacks. Yes. Yeah, man. Which is which is 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 mind boggling to me. That you went from naggy 
to a guy who basically is doing the same thing to Fields that Nagy did in year one. We'll call him Luke Nagy. And I'll go back to my original point of Ryan Poles has done a lot of good things. I'm not I'm not out on Ryan Poles. I don't want him fired. But he hired this guy. He hired Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze. That's on him. And so in part, the the lack of development for Justin Fields falls at Ryan Pohl's feet. And I don't know how that guy's seat got so, so cool over the last six weeks because of what we've seen while Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields are still feeling the heat. But I digress. We're going to talk with Tim Allen, 97.3 The Game, up in Milwaukee about Craig Council going from Milwaukee to the Cubs and some hot stove and how he sees the NL Central to this point in the offseason. But speaking of the offseason and the hot stove, I've said before, I, I, I'm, I'm just about out of patience with the Bears. I'm just about out of patience with the Bulls. How much patience are we going to have, Cubs fans? We'll discuss next on 670 The Score. We're back live with more Rami Mekloff on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. A lot of right-hand pitching in the game, and you know, and uh, to have that kind of balance, I think is really valuable on both sides. I don't think you want to be, especially in Wrigley, that kind of favors righties a little bit. You don't want to be too left-handed, but I do think that you need to be able to, to match up and you know, balance the lineup out in a, in a good way, and right now we're a little imbalanced. There's Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, at the winter meetings a couple of weeks ago. Rami Makhlouf with you on the score this evening. I'll be back on Friday. I'm live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Tyler Buterbaugh on the ones and twos and producing up this show tonight. I, I'm going to get into Cubs talk in just one second. But, um, Tyler, if I see one more person on my timeline chugging mayonnaise because it's the Duke's Mayo Bowl today, apparently, I'm I'm gonna have to turn off my microphone and vomit. What what are we as a country doing? I saw I saw some of that. It's the grossest thing. Did you see that they have a soft serve ice cream machine full with mayonnaise flavored ice cream? That's foul. That's that's disgusting. And I I love I like mayonnaise. You know where it belongs on Don't a sandwich, it. right? In an aioli, you know, for me to dip my French fries or whatever the case might be in, but. We're just chugging mayonnaise now, making ice cream out of it. We used to be a proper nation. We used to be used a to be proper nation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We used to be civil. Let's stop what we're doing right now and just reevaluate that and reassess. Worse, that might be worse than like the uh, ranch enthusiasts that like they put ranch on literally everything. Like hell, I've seen people put heard of people put ranch on steak. That's disgusting. That that shouldn't be happening. Um, I do. I, I I have to admit, I'm guilty of this and. As a born and bred Chicagoan, this 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 might be, I might get my Chicago card pulled for this. I do occasionally, and I blame my girlfriend for turning me on to this. Uh, I dip my pizza in ranch dressing. Is that is that's that wrong? okay? I do okay. the same. All right. I do the okay, same. Okay, good. All right, good to know. All right, now let's get into the Cubs talk. And you just heard Jed Hoyer there, and I'm going to talk with Tim Allen of 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee, who covers the Brewers, who uh, their, their their former manager is now the Cubs manager, in case you missed that news. So we'll talk with him about that and all the goings-on in the hot stove. But I've mentioned a couple times on tonight's show, I've been unemployed for six months. I, I, I didn't like where I was living, so I left my job and came back to the Midwest, where I, I everything I knew and loved was. You know what I mean? And uh, when I first came back to the Midwest, I was like, oh, man, I'm coming back to a Cubs team that is just 
ready, just ready to go, man. That's just about to pull the trigger on some major moves this offseason. We have, of course, heard about Shohei. He's a Dodger. We heard about Tyler Glass now. He's a Dodger. We heard about Yamamoto. Um, he's a Dodger. They're all, they're all Dodgers now. And I will say that that part of it, whether whether it's justified or not, buys a little bit of patience for me when it comes to the Cubs and and what they're doing this offseason. The fact that it's it's just the Dodgers making moves tells me that they're just blowing the whole market out of the water and just willing to pay more and make promises and guarantees in these contracts that nobody in the league is willing to make. And would I like the Cubs to be that team that's doing that? Yeah, I guess. But at the same time, I do appreciate a smart and measured approach, and I understand that business is business, and not everybody can spend the same. And the Dodgers can probably spend in a way that nobody else in Major League Baseball can spend. But that doesn't mean that I have endless patience for this Cubs team and and the way that they're building this thing. We are at December 27th. I had to look and make sure of that because who can keep track of days in the week between Christmas and New Year's? It is December 27th. And to this point, Jed Hoyer and the Cubs are yet to add a player to their 40-man roster this offseason from outside the organization. Not one. Not via trade. Not just, you know, a bullpen arm that they signed in free agency not some minor league prospect or some utility player that they exchanged for cash. No, nothing. Not one. We haven't seen not a one move made by Jed Hoyer of adding to this 40-man roster this offseason. And coming off of last year, and given they were in the rumors for Shohei and Glasnow and Yamamoto and Juan Soto, that's a tough pill to swallow with all those guys being off the market. But, but, they did make one move this offseason, and that was going and getting Craig Council, who we'll be talking with Tim Allen about in just a few minutes. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say that's the be-all, end-all. That was their big offseason acquisition, and I'm happy and I'm good with it. But it does buy them some time for a couple reasons. One, I think Craig Council is a very good manager for my money. And once again, I live in Milwaukee. Much of my radio career has been covering Milwaukee and Wisconsin sports. I watch Craig Council night in and night out. And yes, maybe it has that bubble effect that I talked about earlier when talking about the Bears, that the things you see day in and day out can often seem a lot better or a lot worse than what they are in the big picture. It's entirely possible. But I think Craig Council is the best game manager in Major League Baseball. I think you got yourself three, four, maybe five more wins than you did last year just by putting that guy in the dugout. And I like David Ross. I just think Craig Council is better. So in that sense, it buys them some time and some patience for me. But also, the signing of Craig Council tells me a lot about what the approach of this baseball team is going to be. And it's not to say they're not going to spend big money. I think they will when the time is right. But like I said before, it's going to be measured. And it's going to be the right moves 
at the right time at the right price while also working in guys from their minor league system. Which is exactly what they did in Milwaukee when Craig Council was the manager there with a much smaller payroll. So if you can be as effective as they were with more money, because that's what I want. I want smart and rich. Look at the Dodgers. They're smart and rich. If 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 that's why they have to this point sat out free agency, I'm okay with it. And I'll be okay with it as long as they bring back Cody Bellinger or replace him with somebody just as good this offseason. I'll be okay with it until the trade deadline. I think that's an awfully long leash to give this baseball team, given the season they're coming off of, given the market that they play in, given the money at their disposal, and given the names that we had heard them being involved in this offseason in free agency. If they can bring back Cody Bellinger and recreate what they had last year, plus the magic of Craig Council in the dugout, getting you three, four more wins via pulling the right strings and pushing the right buttons, and then at the trade deadline is when you make your big splash, great. But if this is just another year of plugging along and chugging along, and I hope we're in it at the trade deadline and maybe one or two small ancillary moves to bolster the roster heading into September and October. That doesn't do a whole lot for me. And the shine of Craig council starts to wear off a little bit. How much patience do you have for the Cubs? Might have time to squeeze in a call or two, three, one, two, six, four, four, six, seven, six, seven. You can always text that number as well. I've missed a couple of texts that I, I wanted to read in the show. Um, this from the 219 when we were talking Bears says, even if the Bears magically got Pat Mahomes next bleeping year, the Bears just wouldn't know what to do with him. It's a lame organization. They just don't get it. Yeah, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I wanted Patrick Mahomes coming out in that draft. I have I have audio proof of it. I was on the air during that draft saying I want the Bears to take Patrick Mahomes. But in hindsight, I, I, this is going to sound weird coming from a Bears fan. I'm kind of glad they didn't because I like watching Patrick Mahomes play football. And I have a feeling that if the Bears got their hands on him, I wouldn't like watching Patrick Mahomes play football. And he wouldn't be the guy that he is today. This text came in from the 574. So I just Googled you because I have never heard you on the score. You aren't the guy of your same name who is a Syrian businessman and cousin of the vicious, evil dictator of Syria, are you? Either way, you're doing great, <laughs> Brian and Mishawaka. Even if I am that guy, I'm doing a great job. You're here for it. <laughs> you're locked in to 670 The Score or 670thescore.com or your Odyssey app. Even if I am that guy, even if I'm that guy, I'm doing a great job. Well, I'll tell you, Brian, thank you. And no, I'm not that guy, although I have had to convince the government of that on one or two occasions to get my name off of watch lists and do simple things like get an apartment or a car when a credit check is run. That has actually happened. So no, I'm not him. 
and I appreciate the kind words, sir. Thank you. Every time I'm going through an airport, man, I'm like, oh, man, they're definitely they're definitely going to pull me aside because of this dude. But nope, hasn't happened in an airport yet. It's caused me a few problems, never in an airport. We'll hit a quick break. I appreciate you listening, Brian, and everybody else, and all your texts and calls, 312-644-6767. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And uh, BetQL tonight, coming up right after this show right here on 670 The Score. After this, though, we'll keep the uh, Cubs, Brewers, hot stove talk going. Tim Allen, 97.3 The Game, up in Milwaukee. He'll join me, Rami Makhlouf, right here on 670 The Score. This was a great bunch. This was a great team. And I, and I think I told the guys, I said, you know, as you move forward in your careers, you should you should want to create teams like this. You, sh- you should use your leadership to create an atmosphere like this. Um, this was a team you want to be on. They, they celebrated each other. They posted. Um, and it, it, it's just a group that it, it made baseball a lot of fun. Um, and that's a special group and a group that you should remember being on teams like this. And, and as your career moves on, do your best to promote that atmosphere and promote that leadership amongst yourselves to, to create teams like this. That's former Brewers, now Cubs manager Craig Council. I'm Rami Makhlouf with you. One more segment here on 670 The Score, and then it's Bet MGM tonight right here on these airwaves with my buddy uh, Ryan Horvat and the crew. But joining me now to talk about that move Craig Council made, the NL Central and all the hot stove goings-ons, is Tim Allen of 97.3 The Game up in Milwaukee. Tim, how are you this evening, my friend? Mm, As Blake <laughs> Snell would say, I, I got the Rona. Um, oh really? I, yeah, I do. Yeah, and uh, this is third one, third. So I'm just uh, cuddled up with a heated blanket, uh, a pile of Paxlovid, and MLB Ooh. Network, and we're nice. all good to go. Nice. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, despite being under the weather. Did that soundbite of Craig Council talking about oh, how much God. he loved that Brewers team last year to make you a little more sick, Tim? Oh, I want to drink carbolic acid when I hear that stuff. <laughs> I mean. I mean, it, it, it is okay. So here's the deal. Here's the deal, Rami. And I thought long and hard about what to, what to talk to a bunch of Cub fans and Chicago folk about Craig Council. And and all right. So you've got two sides of this. Uh, I'll I'll do this as quickly as I can. Um, two sides of it. One is the professional, the baseball side of it, and the person side of it. That's just that's all Craig. Him and his family, and you know, money. Money was a big factor here. Look, Craig Council, for all the money we, that uh, we see baseball players and managers make, Rami, he's never really had generational money, right? So his grandkids are not trust fund kids prior to this contract. Would you right. agree? I mean, yeah. he, he's made, you know, as a manager, a couple mil, two, three million, whatever, 1.7. And throughout his career, he got paid a little bit. But to you and I, that's good money. But to generational money, he never looked at a $40 million deal, Rom. And that is, I'm happy for him in that regard. I really am because $40 million, that's just five years. I mean, hopefully, yeah. now, now this is my personal thought, hopefully uh, that will be a Jason Hayward deal 
uh, that they will that <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? I, I totally get it on that side of things. Now, I'm, on me being a Brewers fan, and for your for your audience, Rami, you know this. I, I'm a, mm-hmm. a Brewers fan first, and then a broadcaster. And I've been doing uh, Brewers post game for uh, almost two decades now, 19 years. So, and I've always said I'm a fan first and, and then a broadcaster second. And I've spoken with, you know, your guy, Bruce Levine, and I've had Parkinson, the whole deal. Sure. But anyway, um, as a fan, I think, I think that move from Craig Council shortened my lifespan about two years. Um, <laughs> because, because I just. We, we as fans, as Brewer fans, were like, whoa, wait a second. This is our guy. He played for us. And he, you know, he was an assistant uh, to the general manager and Doug Melvin years ago. And he cut his teeth, uh, you know, in the broadcast booth. He did some TV games. He did uh, scouting. And he did all these things. And he's from Whitefish Bay, just, just, just outside of Milwaukee. And he's our guy. And he's going any other team, even the Cardinals, I would have been fine with. But the Cubs? My goodness, um, you know that goofy batting stance he had, and you know, that, that, you, know. <laughs> you love that batting to... stance. Up until th- up until four weeks ago, you loved that batting stance. And that's the crazy thing, Rob. Yeah. My girlfriend's kids, big Cub fans, both of them, uh, and. For years, they were saying, "Oh, that big nose council! Look at him with that schnoz and that that crazy bet. He can't win in the playoffs." And now, I just saw him over Christmas, obviously, and now they're like, "Man, <laughs> we love Greg Council." Wow. <laughs> well, Tim, you know, I, I we worked together for a long time. We watched a lot of Brewers games, and many of those that Craig Council managed. I, I've I've watched this guy day in and day out, and I've been a big fan of his for a long time. I said before yeah. I brought you on, I was talking Cubs before I brought you on, I think he's the best game manager, game day manager, as far as pulling the right strings and pushing the right buttons with his bullpens and pinch hitters and, and everything else that goes into managing, managing a game. I think he's the best in the league, and I think he's good for, and this is a lot for a major league baseball manager, I think he's good for three, four, five wins over what you would have with, with just about any other manager given the same roster. Would you would you agree with that? The Brewers won the won the division last year with ninety two games. The Cubs finished with eighty with ninety two wins. I should say Cubs finished with eighty three. Neither team has made major roster moves. How much did the Cubs close the gap on the Brewers just by stealing away Craig Council? In your opinion. Yeah, without a doubt, I agree with you. I, I think it might be more. He he is uh, all seriousness. He he is uh, uh, just an amazing bullpen manager, and then a good game manager. So the bullpen, Rami, he is just amazing at that handling that pen. And I think a couple of years ago when they did the three batter minimum, and then uh, you know a- added the DH, that hurt Craig Council a little Agreed. bit because that took an asset away from him. Who's very very good at that. So, and and the one thing is, you know, in terms of lineups uh, over the years, Craig Council and I have always gotten into it. He's like, Tim, your your lineups aren't that important. Well, yeah, they kind of are, Craig. So we disagree on a few things. And there's there's also going to be times where, you know, a, a guy's going to be in a, 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 a on a heater and then he gets a day off. He's really big about the human side of things. So. Mm-hmm. Cub fans should get ready for that, that he is a people person and he'll take care of people. He'll get into, 
you know, the grind and understand what it's like to, to, to bring your family to the ballpark or to have your family on the road. And he's, he's a t- togetherness guy that way. You know, the, the biggest problem, though, however, and, and maybe he'll get over the hump down there, hopefully not uh, for my, my uh, lifespan, um, <laughs> is figuring out how to, how to win and, and really, more importantly, score runs at least in the postseason. And he's 1-9 in, in his last 10 postseason games. And in those 10 games, they've scored two, uh, two runs a game, 10 total runs. Now, that is ownership in the, in the postseason. I, I just I, – he is a really, really good manager. And it's, it's unfortunate that the one flaw that he, yeah, he admitted to, Rom, was that he underestimated how us Brewer fans would think of him going to the Cubs. And, you know, at least he admitted that, uh, that uh, there was some reaction here and there was a sign uh, of his field. There was a Little League park named after him or whatever, and they mm-hmm. de- defaced the sign and things like that. And that that's just uncalled for. Uh, it is. But this is going to take a while for me to get over as a fan. But uh, to Craig Council as a man, I do get it. Talking with Tim Allen, 97.3, the game up in Milwaukee. He hosts their Brewers postgame show and, and a lot of baseball programming up there in Milwaukee. Tim, what is the landscape or power rankings, if you will, of the NL Central as we sit here today? And and really, I think the most active team in free agency has been the Reds and signing Jamer Candelario. I don't, there hasn't been a lot of movement. I think Craig Council is the biggest move in the division and one going from one team in the division to another. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Reds, they made uh, that move there and that's, that's a decent move. That's, I mean, that's 45 million for three years, 15 a year for Carlario. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an expensive thing. I think the Cardinals improved a little bit. At least they, they took care of a weakness and that was their starting pitching. Lance Lynn, um, Kyle Gibson. Oh, I forgot they got Lance Lynn. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then Kyle Gibson. And there's one more that they signed uh, to be on the front end of that rotation. But so they're improved. They've got the corners. You know that offensively. Um, But I would say that because of counts now, we forget how many uh, wins the Cubs had. They were on the cusp of the playoffs last year. So it took a September collapse for them to, to fall out of the playoffs. Well, and that was real pleasurable for me. I was like, wow. They, <laughs> they, they lost again. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's cards. And the Brewers will have some residual. And here's the thing. They're, they're going to go with a little bit of a youth movement, um, Rami. And they, they've got some elite players, potentially. Um, you know, Sal Freelix and Garrett Mitchells and Jackson Churio and, and these younger guys. Obviously, William Contreras is there, and he's one of the best behind the dish. Um, and their rotation, let's face it, um, Corbin Burns, is he going to be in a Brewers uniform come opening day? I, t- people tend to doubt it. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, hated to see the, the, the career you know, path that that's taken due to injury and he exits Milwaukee on an injury like that, Rami. And and I think you've spoken to Woody before and, and what a great guy and throwing a dad gum, dad gumming at you (laughs) once in a while. uh, But I think it's a three, three team race. The Reds, I think they're well managed. I do. Let's I'll take that back. I think the central as a whole, has really good managers in it. I, I do. Um, I would agree with you. So, I would. Yeah. 
That is, um, that is. sorry, Tim, I got to cut you off because we're up against it here and I got to wrap up the show. Imagine that. Rami Makhlouf, Tim Allen, and Ryan Horvath's next. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder where they all came from. <laughs> Just being late for breaks. That's Tim Rami, Allen from we got to do, do it again and you will be on my show soon, all right? Anytime, my man. Catch him on 97.3 The Game and on Twitter at Tim Allen Rants. Tim, always a pleasure, my man. Hope you feel better soon. You got it. Love you, bro. And love you back. And he joins us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Also, thanks to Hub Arkish, who joined me on that hotline, executive editor for Pro Football Weekly and our, our NFL insider right here on the score, and the voice of the Bulls, Chuck Swirsky, who you can catch tomorrow right here on the score as the Bulls take on the Pacers. And my thanks to Tyler Buterbaugh back in the studio for uh, producing up this show and on the ones and twos all night long. Thanks for your calls, your texts, your tweets, all the welcome backs. I do appreciate it. I feel the love and I appreciate the love from you, Chicago. I'll be back on Friday. Until then, I'm Robbie Makloff for Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score.